Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio Network. And we have an amazing, amazing show for you today. You know, we discovered there are so many different professions out there that are related to animals. People have actually created their own (laughs) careers throughout the animal industry. And we'll actually be talking to a few of those people like cat behavior expert Vicki Halls. Uh, she's in England. She's a fun lady, and we'll be visiting with her. Also, owner of the Houston Rockets. Wow. Yes, Leslie Alexander, and wannabe actress, turns herself into an actress, works with the FBI, the ASPCA. She's on Animal Planet's Animal Precinct. Anna Marie Lucas Woo-hoo! joins us. Uh, that's all within the next hour right here on America's number one radio show about animals, Animal Radio. And a very special friend with us on the lines. Who is it? It's a guy who's going to dispel the myth about whether or not a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's mouth. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if you're talking about dog spit, I still believe in mother spit all the way. Mother spit, huh? Yes, mother spit. Yes, it is. Dr. Marty Becker. Hi there. America's favorite veterinarian. Is that you? That's me, my friend. (laughs) Recalling you in Idaho? Yeah, and you know, you know, I've been up since one thirty, so I'm going on pure passion, man. Really? All right. What what got you up so early? A little doctor work? It was it was apprehension on a bunch of deadlines I had, including uh, this interview, finishing a book, <laughs> the, the community auction I chair, and this was my last day of humping everybody's leg to get a donation for the the benefits of six public schools. Oh. Headed to Alabama for a feral cat fundraiser tomorrow, and then off to New York for the 30th anniversary of 30th birthday party for Good Morning America. Wow, <laughs> you're just a multitasker, aren't you? You got well, a Hal, lot. Hal, you know what? You and I, you and I know we both love what we do. So. Yeah. Well, the the new books are out, and uh, the the dog lover's soul and the cat lover's soul chicken soup books. They are awesome. I love them. I, you you must have so much fun collecting all these stories. Well, you know the funny thing about it, I think Chicken Soup is the most misunderstood series of books possible. Like this other book I just finished called Fitness Unleashed comes out next May. National Pet Week 2006 will be called Fitness Unleashed. It'll be linked with our book. Mm-hmm. But my co-author, Dr. Robert Kushner, who wrote the, the AMA's Physician's Guide to Obesity, the writer we worked with, our New York City editor, the four of us just think, oh, wow, this thing is great. They're just going to love this book. Well, we'll see. You know, the book comes out and people vote with their purchases. Chicken Soup has done so much differently. There are thousands and thousands of stories submitted. And Mm -hmm. one, just to read these stories, it's an incredible emotional journey because this is like somebody's diary. Exactly. Innermost glimpses of their special relationship with their pets. So there are no bad stories. Mm -hmm. It's just that you have thousands to winnow down into, in this case, 92 stories for each book. That's got to be hard. But uh, it is, it is in, in a way, it kind of reminds me of when I had to euthanize a lot of pets over the years who were involved with pets passing. It, it just kind of takes its toll. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, the co-author stories are given no more credence, no more favor than anyone else's stories. So these reader panels keep reading these stories, and they keep rating them and reading them and rating them, and it keeps getting winnowed down. and. For example, on the on the last Chicken Soup book, Chicken Soup for the Horse Lover's Soul, I submitted five stories and only had one of my stories selected. There you go. So it's <laughs> well, got to be good or it's not going to be in the book. What was one of your favorite stories out of the dog or the cat lover's soul? 
Well, you know, there's several stories. I think if if I be so bold, one of my own stories. My own story, <laughs> Stubbly Do Right, uh, starts yes. out the Cat Lover's Soul book. Started, read it last night. Very good. Yeah, and that uh, that is exactly how that happened, and and so that that story, you know, it, it ended up there because the story rated very well. But you know, these stories. One of the things I like about Chicken Soup, how these things are kind of like the over the back fence conversations that people most likely will never get around to having anymore because mm-hmm. life is too fast paced mm-hmm. so they're kind of glimpses into these lives of everyday Americans who love their pets like family and I just think they're you know they're, they're potent reminders that people want to love and be loved to feel connected and needed regardless of, of what or whom they love well, there was a time when people wouldn't talk about things like this because they didn't want to be judged by people who weren't into their animals. And right. I know now more people are coming out, but it's easier sometimes to put it down in writing. Oh, yeah, got a good point. And, you know, these things, you know, and you, you've read through the book, so you know there's some where you just crack up the dog that, that took the pit stop, literally. The guy that was training sled dogs, and he hooked onto a porta potty to go to the bathroom, and... Unfortunately, a squirrel ran out in front of his sled dog team. <laughs> and the, let's just say he had a mobile porta potty, and when he came out of there, he looked like a Smurf. Uh, uh, there's the cat who stuck his head in the sink that the garbage disposal is after uh, some table scraps and ended up getting his head stuck in there and uh-huh. quite a hilarious rescue. And then there was Jaws the Terror I loved about the kitty that took revenge on the person he didn't like by repeatedly flushing the toilet while the person was showering. Oh my gosh! And, and then, and then there's the ones that just that just grip you. That you, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a voracious reader, and one of the things I like about Chicken Soup, it's kind of neat that stories can still move you that way. Yes, definitely. You can strum your heartstrings, and you know, a big old guy like me that's that's uh, <laughs> far on the other side of 200 pounds can be on a plane and read that, and just like, oh my. Gosh, well, I feel like just I, when I'm done reading it, I, I have nothing else to read ever again. So I'm glad there's some new ones out. Yes, it's what I like about it. Well, and you know that you know close to home there, the the two pets that are on the cover are both homeless pets uh, from Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. Yes, the, sir. The one is uh, there's Marcus, the you know the cat that was a feral cat in Salt Lake City and was so sick he was able to be caught and and is a special needs pet. And he has a great home down there. And then Guinness is that cute little terrier. And he was rescued in the Grand Canyon and now lives in in a home in St. Louis. So I, I think that's kind of neat good. when you look at those. They almost look like they'd be models or something. And, heck, they had a they had a pretty tough life there for a while. Diamonds in the rough. If you just take them and polish them up a little. Chicken soup for the cat lover's soul and chicken soup for the dog lover's soul. I have five of each for some lucky... Lucky, lucky person. Lucky and I'm caller. telling you, this is some good reading here. one 405 Got to ask you, Doc. You're going on Good Morning America here in just a little while. I'm going to go back about a year ago. I did a segment on GMA about zoonoses, and I looked right in the camera at 845 Eastern Time, and I told 4 million people, it's really not a good idea to let your pet lick you in the mouth because of zoonotic diseases. Mm-hmm. At 5.30 Pacific time the same day, I pulled into my driveway at Almost Heaven Ranch. Mm-hmm. I opened the door up, and in the adult equivalent of Liar Liar Pants on Fire, it was, <laughs> Cutie, you give Daddy sugars, Daddy missed you. And Cutie gave me the equivalent of a canine tonsil swab, oh, and I no. loved it. And I was just on 2020 last Friday. There was a segment, these these myth-busting segments that John Stossel and Deborah Roberts do, 
and this one is on the top 12 germ myths. Uh-huh. And my part was number two. You know how you keep building number twelve, and yeah. it keeps going down. Number did you, two. Did you really get to number two? I did. Oh, and what was the the it myth? Is a dog's mouth cleaner than a human's mouth? I've always heard that it was. And and here's here's your answer. And I actually did a you know you do a bunch of research to to end up on on twenty twenty for four minutes. But if you look at what a dog does, like our little dog Coyote, this little Papillon Poodle Yorkie. Cross. You know, when we meet somebody, we give each other a peck on the cheek. Well, when they meet each other, they give each other uh, a peck on their the cheek of their rear end. Uh-huh. And they, he goes up and dives into the litter box and gets himself some kitty roca. <laughs> then he gnaws on some horse apples out in the corral. Uh-huh. And then he digs up a petrified gopher from time to time. Uh-huh. His mouth is definitely not cleaner than a human's mouth. I nope, have to nope. agree. Where the myth comes from, though. The myth comes from the fact that if you see a dog that has a wound, the, the wound seems so clean and pink, and you'll see them licking it. Well, what happens is their tongue is raspy, and it surgically debrides the dead tissue, and uh-huh. it also stimulates the circulation, so it keeps the wound clean, stimulates circulation, and so that's why we thought that their saliva had antiseptic properties. Yes. But one last thing on this, and this will put it in perspective. My wife and I... Uh, Last year celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. We go away for this romantic weekend, and I forget my toothbrush. And uh-huh. I, I was in there, and I just kind of thought, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? And I, I just I just looked over at a toothbrush, and I thought, oh, gosh, yeah. I don't want to use her toothbrush. We've been married 25 years. I don't even want to use her toothbrush. I don't even say anything. She looks up at me, and she goes, don't even think about it. So despite the fact the dog dives in the litter box, digs up a petrified gopher, spends five minutes licking itself in hard-to-reach places. We still both hug, kiss, cuddle this dog (laughs) without reservation. We love our animals. We love our animals. We love our animals. Dr. Marty Becker, don't don't be a stranger. Well, nice talking to you guys. Thank you. You too. Keep up the great work, you two. No problem there. What a guy. (laughs) I love his stories. Coming up, we're crossing the pond to talk to cat behaviorist Vicki Halls. Very interesting stuff on the way. Animal Radio is brought to you by Comfort Zone, an innovative natural species-specific solution for cat and dog behavior problems. Check it out. It's Comfort Zone. Also, NSLF, feline herpes virus, is one of the most common and most contagious infections in cats. It's also incurable. The good news is now there's a safe, effective, and easy way to manage feline herpes virus. Ask your veterinarian about NSLF, the next best thing to a cure. Listen up, Southern California. The third annual San Diego Pet Expo, brought to you by PetSmart, is December 10th and 11th at Del Mar Fairgrounds. This year's holiday extravaganza will feature exhibitors with the newest and hottest pet products and services. Find a furry new friend at San Diego's largest adoption parade at the San Diego Pet Expo. Join this fun family event for pictures with your pets and Santa, crafts, storytelling, and prizes. Join Animal Radio as we broadcast live from the San Diego Pet Expo, December 10th and 11th at Del Mar Fairgrounds. Log on to sdpetexpo.com to exhibit or to learn more about this holiday weekend of furry fun. Mark your calendar now for the third annual San Diego Pet Expo at Del Mar Fairgrounds, December 10th and 11th. Brought to you by PetSmart. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio Network. 
Vicky Halls. Hello. Hello. Vicky, the Mary Poppins of the feline world. Apparently so, and I'm not too happy about that. (laughs) Why is that? No, I'm delighted. It really refers to my consulting bag rather than my ability to sing. (laughs) Okay. Or dance. Uh, Or dance, yes. It sounds like somebody's singing in the background. Yes, I hope you don't mind, but my cat Mangus is joining us. It's very difficult to exclude her from anything. Uh, Is he he a Siamese cat? Well, she's a girl. It's an unusual name, but she's a girl. She's actually what what we call a Devon Rex. Oh, beautiful. She's the cat with the crinkly coat. Oh, yes. Yeah. I didn't realize their meow was so Siamese-like. It, they can be. She's particularly vocal. She, she, when she hears me talking, she thinks I'm talking to her, so of she course. automatically joins in. We um, are calling you where? Um, I'm based in Rochester in Kent, which is the bottom sort of southeast corner, uh, very near London. Which means, obviously, Animal Radio Network's paid their phone bill calling across seas to talk to the lady who's written Cat Confidential, uh, this is the book your cat would want you to read. And why, why is that, Vicky? Well, when I wrote it uh, initially, um, I'm actually a, a, a cat psychologist or a cat behavior counselor, and I go around and visit people in their homes whose cats have gone wrong emotionally rather than physically. And I would often sort of scan through their bookshelves and see that they had lots <laughs> of wonderful tomes about cat behavior, but it was obvious that the, the fundamental truths in there, they hadn't actually... Uh, absorbed because you know some mistakes were being made and and you know if only they'd got the gist of the of the basics maybe we wouldn't have been in that situation so i set out to write a book that really told the truth as it was about what what cats want from us what they need from us as opposed to what we think they need from us and put it in an accessible way so basically i wrote it um in the form of stories about my cats and how, what i've learned from them and also about um real case histories that i've been to see which seem very sort of some of them very weird and wonderful but they all have a very important message and I, I wrote it so that people could read it like it was a novel well you know, you know? what that's interesting yeah. that you say that because the reason i like the book is because it's my kind of reading in that it is clinical, it's scientific, but yep. yet it has a story to it. it yes, it's something that I, you want to read yeah. before you go to bed every night. Wonderful. Well, that's exactly what I what I aimed for, and I'm so pleased you're saying that because it sounds like that's that's what's happening. That's mm-hmm. Great. Well, I gotta I gotta ask you a few questions. Maybe you can help some of our listeners. One of okay. our one help of our us. yes, <laughs> our cat Nike, the studio cat. We have a multi cat studio. Right. And. Uh, Idle pause. <laughs> That's yes. him. Idle pause. I think, uh, I, I don't know if we're entertaining him enough, if there's something that we can do to keep this little cat out of trouble, but I have never, <laughs> ever, ever had a cat in my life mm-hmm. as destructive as, like a two-year-old, two-year-old kid, uh, not grown out of it yet. Either. He's very intelligent. Well, the trouble is, the more intelligent they are, the more likely they are to behave in that way. And when I said the devil makes work for idle paws, I'm thinking about the very bright cats, the the Burmese thinkers, you know, the Siamese thinkers, the warriors. These are the cats who really need input all the time. And what kind of input? Pardon? What kind of input? Well... 
what we're trying to do when we keep cats inside or in confined spaces, what we're trying to do is somehow um, simulate the sort of stuff they would be up to if they were living as nature intended. So basically we're talking about hunting, exploratory behaviour, foraging behaviour. So anything that we can do indoors. For example, let me tell you about my little Mangus. Okay. She, she eats dry food. She eats a, a veterinary formulated dry food and she eats it never out of a bowl. All her food is secreted around my apartment here in in little sort of pyramids made out of the inside of toilet roll tubes. So it's like a game oh for her to, to eat. It's what a you're... game for her. And this? she loves it. Every morning she goes hunting and you can hear her calling and she goes to all of these little triangles dotted about my apartment, <laughs> hidden around various places, and she checks to see if there's any food in them. This? And if there is... She pulls the biscuits out one by one with her paw and she gets terribly excited about it. This is great. You know, dog people already do this. They have what's called a Kong and they put yes. uh, treats within inside the Kong so yep. the dogs can find them. Yep. I never thought about doing it for cats, oh, but I'll no. tell you. Uh, this is something that. that I'd actually like to try. I think we will. We get a lot of advice here at Animal Radio, and a lot of it we just, you know, toss out the window. But this is something that I actually like. I really yes. like that. So make it a little game for them to eat yep. in the morning. Do a little hunting. Let me ask you this question, though. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going cold turkey. Uh, I don't want them to think that I'm not feeding them anymore. Uh, how, do, how do I let them know that I want to play a little game now? Right. What, what you need to do, if, if your little cat there is on um, a, a dry food, you don't want to start this from scratch. You don't want to suddenly stop everything yeah. you're doing and change it. So what you do, first of all, you introduce it as a, um, a game. So you're giving uh-huh. him his food, sort of however often you give it to him. But then you put one of these little pyramids. I mean, you can do anything. You can put it inside paper bags, cardboard, egg boxes, anything, you know, little oh, boxes. And just let him find it um, and think, oh, that's terribly exciting. I found some food somewhere else. For example, if you ever leave an open bag of food out, your cat is more likely to take it out of that than they would out of their food bowl. <laughs> because it's more, it's adventurous. It's, it's stealing. It's acquiring food that, that really they shouldn't have. You when, know? You, when you say you're using the pyramids, what, what are those? Well, the pyramids, it's, all I've done is I've... I've asked all my family and friends to collect the inside of their toilet rolls, which oh, okay. are these little cardboard tubes. Uh-huh. And they give them to me, and every time I get 21 of them, I stick them together to form a pyramid. So the base is six, and then you sellotape them together, you, you scotch tape them together, five on top of that, four on top of that. Do you see? Can uh-huh. you visualize what I'm I making? I can do that, yes. And then you've got, like, these, these... If he's a big... I mean, my cat is very dainty, very sort of and she doesn't knock them over. But if your cat's a bit of a bruiser, you may want to set that on quite a solid base so he can't just push it over to get the biscuits out. He actually has to push his paw in. And if he's a big guy, obviously you have to use bigger cardboard rolls. Yes. You you are the leading cat behavior specialist in England. Uh, What kind of training do you have? Is it all on-the-job training? Uh, Um, In my particular case, and I I am probably one of those pioneers out there doing the work over here, Um, in my particular case, um, my background is is, um, veterinary nursing. And when I started getting involved in feline psychology, it was very much a... Um, it, it wasn't at the time a, an academic um, sort of path you could go down. Um, it was there as a certificate you could do as a special interest. So, but now because the the whole and it's wonderful to see because the whole profession is blossoming now, and we have um, 
bodies and associations who get together people who have, you know, tremendous experience or tremendous academic qualifications. And there are now degree courses um, and um, uh, master's degrees and all sorts of things that you can do to actually become qualified in this. But without a doubt, the best background to have is a veterinary qualification of some sort or a psychology or a zoology um, qualification. And, and it does pay the bills. If somebody wants to get into this, you can you can actually pay the bills with this kind of gig? I... Well, okay. It doesn't pay the bills, but you have a lot of fun, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that if you're concentrating on purely cat work, you are limiting your, your income. If you want to go for multi-species, then probably you could, you could make a living at it uh, in this country. But I would say purely on... Um, consulting alone, you are not going to get rich, but you're going to get rich in experience. You're going to get rich in the pleasure that and the, the interest that the job gives you. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of that, it looks like. Cat Confidential, the book your cat would want you to read. Vicki Hall's I Have 10 Copies to Give Away, one 405 8405 and uh, if you have uh, like a little psychological problem, cat psychological, feline psychological problem, we'd sure love to hear from you so that we can... Uh, just hear what kind of problems you have so it makes us feel better. That's that's what it does, really. Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to solve it. Maybe Vicky's book will. You're very fun. You're very entertaining. And we appreciate you taking time to visit with us today. No worries at all. Thank you very much. Please visit the website. It's www.vickyhalls.net. We hope to speak to you again. We're talking about fun animal jobs. And up next, we're actually going to talk to the owner of the Houston Rockets. Now, I know nothing about basketball. I don't know how many <laughs> touchdowns it Boy, takes. ain't that the truth. Yeah. yeah how many it. touchdowns? How many strikes do they get? But nonetheless, he's a big animal lover. And we'll actually call him on the air coming up next. What do you say about that? Comfort Zone presents Animal Radio. Live from the San Diego Pet Expo, December 10th and 11th. Be sure to visit the Comfort Zone booth right next to the Animal Radio booth. Actually, our booth is going to be a giant 36-foot broadcast vehicle. You can't miss it. It's going to be inside the exhibit hall. So don't forget to visit the Comfort Zone booth at the San Diego Pet Expo, December 10th and 11th. And pick up some Comfort Zone with DAP for dogs and feel away for cats. We'll be right back. I'm Anne-Marie Lucas, Special Investigator for the ASPCA, and every day I confront the horrors of animal cruelty. Animals like Cherokee, a puppy who I found abandoned in a vacant lot. His protruding ribs were a sign of severe neglect. When I rushed him to the ASPCA hospital, x-rays showed it was worse than I thought, and Cherokee's legs and ribs were broken in several places. Cherokee's abuser had been hurting him since he was very little, And at just seven months old, this puppy had suffered a lifetime of abuse. No animal should ever have to suffer the way Cherokee did. Please, help us save more animals by becoming an ASPCA guardian with a monthly gift, right now. Call 1-866-MY-ASPCA or join online at myaspca.org. We'll rush you the photo of an animal in our shelter. And if you call or join online in the next 30 minutes, we'll also send you an ASPCA t-shirt absolutely free. That's 1-866-MY-ASPCA or myaspca.org. Thanks to people like you, we saved Cherokee. But there are many animals who are suffering at the hands of their abusers right now. Please help us rescue them. Call toll-free. 1-866-MY-ASPCA or visit us at myaspca.org right now. 
preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio Network. Animal Radio's Katrina coverage is brought to you by Bissell, a proud sponsor of PetFinder.com. Go on over to PetFinder.com to get the latest information on how you can help the animals affected by Hurricane Katrina. We are very blessed to have on the phone with us the very beautiful Anna Marie Lucas. Come on, you, you can do this. He's tongue tied. I didn't know if it was He's looking at her or, picture. Well, yeah, I was. Yeah, I, that's what I read. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Oh, you're there. Hi. I'm here. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very well. We're calling you. I imagine in New York City. Yes, I'm in my office. In your office at the ASPCA. Yes. And I understand. I just got a press release, a Katrina press release, that you guys are doing adoptions, extra adoptions this month. Because isn't it Adopt a Dog Month or something like that? It is. The ASPCA every October celebrates Adopt a Shelter Dog Month in particular. Okay. Uh-huh. To you know raise awareness about dogs in need of adoption, because and, um, shelters, you know, especially after Katrina, yeah. have been inundated with with animals. And what happened was. All of these other shelters went to the Gulf Coast and rescued animals from that affected area, brought mm-hmm. them back to their own shelters, and now they're even more crowded than they were before. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, so you are crowded with a lot of animals from Katrina. Oh. And mm-hmm. is there a certain waiting period that you wait before you adopt those animals out? I believe some shelters were asked to wait um, for a period of time because what we want to do is reunite as many animals as possible. And there actually have been between 20 to 30 reunions per day, oh, which wow. is actually very nice. Um, and that's something that we hope to do because I know if I had been in that situation, being without my animals, mm-hmm. um, it would be devastating to know that I couldn't find them. Mm. So I know that right. they are asking shelters to hold on to a certain date, but at, at some point they will be released and up for adoption. And there's a lot of animals that were already in shelters down there, already looking for homes that were relocated. Absolutely. So and I think that's what a lot of shelters did. They took the pressure off of the southern shelters and got those animals already in those shelters out to other shelters across the country. Um, but you know, um, there are so many animals, especially dogs, in need of adoption at this point yeah. that you know these shelters are doing such a wonderful thing, but now they don't have enough people actually going in. So October being Adopt-A-Shelter Dog Month just happens to work out perfectly this year. Well, I think right it should time. be like an Adopt-A-Dog <laughs> <laughs> year, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know what I find really intriguing is your background. You know, I always knew that I wouldn't make a great vet. I'm not very good at chemistry and all of that sort of thing, but I always wanted to help animals. I always felt compassion, and I never understood animal cruelty. I had never witnessed animal cruelty, Uh but I always just wanted to help animals, and I always wished that there were animal police, and little did I know that there actually was a (laughs) unit in New York City to do this, so when I found out, you know, I had aspirations of being an actress when I was a little girl, and I was on the stage since the age of three, and wanted to either be an actress or help animals. You know, it's the best career I could have ever picked for myself. And you've had training from the uh, the NYPD, but also the FBI, FBI huh? Absolutely. Um, you know, we are law enforcement. We do a lot of animal rescue, but we also have to deal with the bad guys. How, well, how do you deal with that? Isn't that the most frustrating <laughs> thing in the world? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and most of the guys are much bigger than me that I'm trying to arrest. Do they so intimidate I, you? Yeah. You know what? They don't. At first they did when I uh-huh. first started. But, you know, I developed my own style and I usually get them with my mouth and yes. gab away. <laughs> and, you know, I have, the power of gab is always a great thing. And I think I catch them off guard. And before, you know, before they know it, they're in cuffs, which is always a nice thing. But, you know, we deal with a lot of horrible people. How often do you go out into the field? I still go out every week. Um, wow. This week we were out. We made two arrests this week. 
Um, we seized two animals that were you know, horribly neglected and physically abused by their owners. Um, but I still go out every week. I, I never want to leave the streets um, mm -hmm. as long as I possibly can because I, I love being out there. I love what I do. Well, we think what you what you do is awesome, and, and that you've Thanks. combined your uh, wanting to be an actress <laughs> with uh, with your love for animals is awesome. If someone wants to be like you, just like you, and wants to perhaps star, they're they're a kid now, and they want to star someday on Animal Precinct and work in the law <laughs> enforcement agency. Where can they learn more? Obviously, the ASPCA has a wonderful website with a mm -hmm. lot of information about just about everything about animals. Absolutely, you know, I would definitely suggest that. Kids who want to do this for a career and help animals should definitely start volunteering at their local animal shelter or humane society as early as they possibly can. There are regulations as far as age and liability and that sort of thing, but um, if you can start working with animals um, at an early age and, and, and learn that, um, you know, to identify abuse as they mm -hmm. come into the shelters because they certainly see enough of it. And also, um, you can do it two ways. You can either help animals and maybe become a vet tech, or you could do the other end and become a law enforcement officer. You know, police officers all over this country see animal cruelty um, just as much as we do. Yes. And they can certainly uh, act upon those cruelty acts. So um, that's another way you can go. Very good. We're Very talking good. to Anna Marie Lucas, the star of Animal Planet's Animal Precinct and also the ASPCA's Humane Law Enforcement Officer, if you want to go to the ASPCA website, great website, it's ASPCA.org. And, of course, they've always been good friends of Animal Radio for a long time. We appreciate you taking time to visit with us today. Thank you so much. It was my, it was my pleasure. Well, that's all we have time for. we got to get out of here. But before we do, if you get an animal this week, please... Spay or neuter. And remember, don't uh, buy from a breeder. You don't need to do that. There's plenty of breed rescues online that you can find the exact breed that you want. And don't forget... Don't declaw. Very good. Everything you want to know about animals, it's all at AnimalRadio.com, as well as our new 24-hour animal channel. We'll see you there at AnimalRadio.com, and we'll see you back here next week for more Animal Radio. Bye-bye. <laughs>